Rallycross Conversations, chatting all things dogs and running. Join me, Michelle. Me, Louise, as we chat to guests and experts about dogs and running, sometimes whilst we are out running. Hello, welcome to our latest episode of Canny Cross Conversations. Today, we're joined by Emily Thomas, co-director of CanActive Hydrotherapy Centre. We're really excited to learn all about the benefits of hydrotherapy for dogs today. Hi, Emily. Thanks for joining us. Hi, thank you for having me. Do you want to just introduce yourself a little bit and tell us about kind of your background and the beginnings of the hydrotherapy? Yeah, so um, I started off a long time ago doing canny cross and got into canny cross with my rescue dogs. Um, most people that that sort of know my backstory know it was because of my first dog, who was a husky collie cross, um, and she had separation anxiety. So I started the canny cross and the dog sports with her. Um, very quickly got another dog who was a uh, another collie, and it was essentially because of him that I ended up starting the hydrotherapy um, because we obviously had quite an active lifestyle together Um, and then it was back in 2017 uh, he had a diagnosis of spondylosis which um, you know is is arthritic changes in the spine Um, and he started to go for hydrotherapy and I was absolutely fascinated by this and I could see the benefits of it. Um, but I found it quite frustrating because as a, a customer, I wasn't really getting the information that I wanted. And I like to know all about, you know, if, if something's happening for my dogs, I like to know all about it. Um and so I thought, you know what, I'd really like to know more about this. So I went and did my level three qualification um, in small animal hydrotherapy. And it just so happened that a friend of mine who also does dog sports was very interested in it from a fitness side. And she said, would you like to start a business? (laughs) And so I said, yeah, why not? Um, So she did her qualification alongside me. um, And we were in a very fortunate position where we could set up our um, centre. We've got an underwater treadmill. And so we opened Connective, unfortunately, just before uh, all the lockdowns in 2019. Um, So, yeah, Connective has been sort of open for business since 2019, but we didn't get running properly until the end of the following year. And it's not like you haven't got an, a few other businesses, by the way, is it? <laughs> you do as well. <laughs> I, I do. I do have other things going on as well. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm obviously quite heavily involved in the County Cross uh, industry, and um, but but that's just sort of fueled my learning for the hydrotherapy as well because they really they mould nicely together. Yeah, and that's and that's why we've got you on because that's what we want to talk about because um, so. What is hydrotherapy and how does it work? I mean, hydrotherapy has been around for for thousands of years. Um, It's thought to have originated in Greece, um, Mm. but it basically just means water therapy. Um, And the the water has to be at a certain temperature. So a lot of people say, oh, why can't I just go and take my dogs in a river? Or why can't I just go and take my dogs in a lake? Um, Obviously you can, but it's the therapeutic temperature of the water, which is, is what provides the difference. So it's set between 20, 28 and 32 degrees Celsius. Nice. Um, yeah, nice and nice and warm. Um, and 
and the there are sort of many different benefits of the water so the, there's properties of water that that help with different things so you've got um resistance you've got um the viscosity of water which um means that you know dogs are working harder in it but then you've got the buoyancy so if you've got a dog that needs support for their weight you need low impact you you can obviously have you know higher water which provides that that low impact for them and we use all the different properties of water for for different things depending on the individual dog that we've got in the tank um we don't have a pool and the reason that we don't have a pool is because when we were sort of studying and looking into it all, a pool is fantastic for dogs that are really painfully arthritic to take the weight off or, you know, you just want a general workout for the dog because, um, you know, you want them to sort of do something a bit different, work some different muscles. But for us, we wanted to be able to control all the different elements and you can only do that with a treadmill so we can change the water height we can change the speed that the dogs are moving at and we can look we've got 360 degree vision of their hole underneath so we can see exactly what's going on with their legs and alter things accordingly so that we can get the best results basically so for us it was a no-brainer we definitely wanted a treadmill um, and and we we use all the different properties of water uh, to get the results and it reminds because i used to teach aqua aerobics <laughs> <laughs> and as you were just talking i was thinking gosh it, it, that's a really good example for sort of humans to to know what it feels like for the dog because that's exactly what aquaerobics was about oh uh, yeah and and we made a point right in the beginning of of getting in and actually running in it ourselves and i have to say it's really hard work. <laughs> really hard work so i do know how it feels like <laughs> so how long is a dog kind of on a treadmill for does that depend what the the goal is and yeah, exactly. I mean, you've got you've got people that sort of say, you know, a dog shouldn't be on a treadmill for more than 15, 20 minutes. Um, but we have have looked into it and there's people that are using it for fitness um, and conditioning who they have even put dogs on there for like an hour and a half. Uh, yeah. to do some real proper endurance yeah. training I would say that's probably a bit excessive um, and also like a dog's going to switch off it's not going to be that interesting to be on a treadmill for an hour and a half so we would never have that amount of time on there but um, probably the majority of our fitness sessions are between 15 and 20 minutes in the treadmill and then obviously the rehab sessions are a lot less because it depends on what the dog's sort of capable of at that point and how do dogs cope with it because not not all dogs like water do they no and and we get a lot of people saying oh i'm i'm not sure about this because my dog doesn't like water but i think the difference is is that we take it really slowly um we you know make sure every experience that they have in there is positive um and the water comes from underneath so you don't sort of get that dunking in the water or having to sort of pull them into something where they're out of their depth already we can start off if the dog really doesn't like it with you know just over the tips of their toes um, and build it up but what we found is that um, most dogs tolerate it really well and as soon as they sort of get moving in there they're they're happy enough and are they all right on the treadmill as well I mean I know you've got them harnessed in haven't you I believe <laughs> We, we have harnesses on them just so we can make sure, you know, if they do sort of get uneasy in there, then we've got something to get hold of. Um, we don't actually sort of fix them in there at all. 
Um, but generally, as soon as they sort of feel the treadmill start going, they some dogs will put their their feet out and they'll they'll think, you know, well, what's going on. But generally, they they get the gist after a couple of sessions, and you can see them really start to to switch on to it and enjoy it. Particularly, we do quite a lot of uh, treat motivated sessions. So, <laughs> you know, all these dogs come in and they go, "Yeah, we're going to get fed now." <laughs> so they generally enjoy it and associate it with positive things so no that, that's so we've talked a bit about there's the rehabilitation side and the fitness and conditioning side should we kind yeah. of delve a bit deeper into those now and so what yeah. kind of things can the the rehab you know can the treadmill help with rehab when it comes to rehab we've had a lot of so the, the biggest surgery that happens in dogs in the uk is uh cruciate surgery uh, cruciate ops so we get a lot of dogs post cruciate um because what tends to happen is that the dogs have been in pain um they're not used to to putting their foot down because obviously it's been painful um and you have to retrain them to put the weight back through the leg um, they also lose a lot of muscle mass, um, you know, while they're resting. And so it's a quicker way to build up the muscle around the, the stifle joint as well. Um, so we, we get them in, um, we start with the water quite high to give them, um, a lot of, you know, support in there. And also having the water quite high means there's quite a lot of resistance. So they have to work quite hard to move their limbs through the water. Um, and it just builds up all the muscle safely around that joint so that there's no sort of, um, cause obviously with, with a cruciate injury, it's generally a twisting turning motion that's, that's caused that injury. And we keep them very straight and keep them you know moving in in a direct straight line we can control that very easily in the treadmill so they they do recover much quicker than if um you just have land-based exercises because they can actually properly move in the treadmill yeah so i mean how many i know every dog's different but how many sessions on average does does that kind of take we do blocks of 10 because that's the amount that we feel you can really see um, the difference in. You can usually see a difference after about three weeks. Um, but we say do do 10 sessions. Um, it's also the amount that an insurance company will usually pay for. Yeah. Um, so, so it ties in with that, but, um, 10 sessions, you would, you would see a, a marked improvement. And for the majority of dogs, they're then pretty much back to normal. Um, we would hope after any kind of surgery like that, but obviously you get other surgeries as well. Um, we have dogs that have had spinal surgery. Again, they need a, a lot more support. Um, and again, we feel that the treadmill is a better place for that because, in a pool you've got a lot of sort of different movement it's it's not just that straight um that straight gate which is um replicating what they do on land and ultimately what we want to do is get the dogs moving again on land in a way that will be functional for them so um it's it's getting it's getting pulling everything together so that they've got that support and you know they've got that um that guidance to get them back to to where they were before because a lot of the people that come to us have got really active dogs um and they just want them to get back to that active lifestyle as soon as possible and do they need um other treatment i mean i you just do the hydrotherapy but do they need other sort of pet physio or pet you know pet physio treatment as well in co combination with all that 
it's yeah depending on what the the actual um what they've had done um we generally say it it works really well with massage it works really well with physiotherapy um all these things you know, can if you can do all of that um it's absolute gold standard um and and vets don't they're not always forthcoming about sort of suggesting these these things to people and so sometimes we sort of have to say you know have you been recommended a physio as well and they're like oh no i haven't um so we will say yeah it would be really worthwhile seeing a massage therapist or a physiotherapist um and the other thing that can really help um and it's usually vet practices that have this because of the cost involved is laser therapy so we we find post-op um post-op recovery can be really enhanced by doing um hydrotherapy combined with laser and a a, you know land-based um program from a physio as well which it sounds really sort of intense and um you know it, it does it does cost money to put your dog through through a program like that but um the results are, are amazing and, and people do sort of at the end of it go i'm glad i've done that so it is worthwhile doing well i'll do a shout out to my vets because i pickles had um you know physio and they, and they suggested it and um and she, I mean, we got her on in a couple of weeks anyway but she's uh she's brilliant and and i've been able to learn things to do at home as well so um you know to keep it going whether yeah. i do them or not is another matter but yeah <laughs> <laughs> so do people for, for injury rehabilitation do people need a vet referral to come to you how yes. does that process work yes yeah. they do yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, and in theory, the, the rules changed a couple of years ago and, and we don't need vet um, referral for fitness sessions. However, we always say we would rather see, um, you know, a dog that has been referred purely because when you ask somebody, what conditions has your dog, dog got? Most people will go, oh, they're absolutely fine. And, and then they'll have forgotten that sort of four years ago or something that there was something that happened that's actually quite relevant and so if we have the vets on board i just it it works a lot better the combination of having everybody talking with each other gets the best outcome for the dog even if it's only fitness sessions it's yeah. it's definitely worth having that that vet in, interaction as well so let's move on to fitness sessions because actually you know we've got a lot of listeners that are, uh, you know canny cross bike jaw yeah. scooter as we've sort of brought that into the mix as well yeah so where where what sort of things do people come along for fitness sessions what do you do and 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 why so we will we'll put together a program based on the individual dog because obviously i mean we're very involved in canny cross which is more about endurance training but you've also got elements of strength and power training that you want as well so like with people um it it is beneficial to do cross training with dogs and this can count as cross training um so what we will do is is have a look at what the dog's actually doing because if they're coming in for agility um for example that's completely different um sort of set of of muscles that need to be conditioned so we will do a different program for an agility dog as we would do for for an endurance canny cross dog and then it is all about looking at the dog that you've got in front of you seeing what um you know what is going to work for them because 
I had a perfect example the other day. Um, I've got my mum's dog staying with me and he's got really tiny little legs. Um, and I always play around with the water heights to see what's what's going to challenge them and what's going to make them work harder and, and work different muscles. And with my dogs, it's having the water higher and having that full resistance when they're moving their legs through the water that they find that really hard work. Whereas with him, he finds it harder work with the water lower because he's got sort of really short, stumpy little legs, but they're quite wide. And so for him, pulling his paws out of the water and through that top level of the water is much harder work than the resistance against it. So you sort of have to balance everything out in the session to to make sure you're working all the muscles, make sure you're you're achieving the goals that you want to for the client. Um, and we have we've had some really good results with um canny cross bike drawing dogs, but also agility dogs as well, you know, who have gone on, they've they've had maybe a little muscle strain or something and, and we've strengthened everything up and they've gone on. We've got a few clients who are like winning in their grades now, which is, you know, it's the best feedback that we can get really. Um, and, it, and it's uh, it's important is that you talk about all muscles but i think what and this is obviously coming from my background but the core for a dog is really really important isn't it because i know that's what we've been working on with pickle to get that core strength which will sort of keeps everything to, together but i think people think what well, core strength in a dog you know yeah. well i mean on the whole dogs are, are really good endurance athletes without any intervention from us they're just naturally very good at um at endurance you know running um but i think what people forget is that you know they are attached to us so they've got that resistance when when they're pulling and if you're going over uneven ground you do need a really strong core actually and and a lot of the time it's about injury proofing the dogs yeah. so if they've got that really sort of fast reactive um uh what we call proprioception so it's the awareness of where their feet are when they're moving and if if they can respond very quickly to changes under their feet which comes from core strength and and also like like i say this proprioceptive feedback which you get when they're in the water then they're going to be a much stronger dog they're going to be much more able to cope with any any sort of changes in the terrain and anything that you find when you're out canny crossing because it can as we all know be a bit of an adventure sometimes and and so if your dog's really prepared for that physically then then you're less likely to get injuries and strains and things and it's really interesting because sorry as i'm on my, on my soapbox here. <laughs> <laughs> it's really interesting because i bet uh well you're sort of i'm talking canny cross but i bet they all put all the effort into the dogs how much do they put into themselves because what you've just described is exactly what a human should be doing as well to <laughs> with the terrain that we run across but anyway um just you know just <laughs> no, I, on, hold hold my hand up to that one because i'm terrible with myself but my dogs get absolutely everything yeah. so. <laughs> emily is about to start pilates again so <laughs> oh, that out. <laughs> there you go put it out there now so you've got to do it <laughs> i have yeah <laughs> accountability <laughs> so um I'm, I'm sort of quite interested in this sort of um, uh, for, for fitness um, for our dogs. Um, so when do you tend to do most of the training for if you're doing so you've got a whole year, you're training your canicross dog. Obviously, we have it in se uh, on season yeah, and yeah. off season. Do you tend to do more off season and what sort of things or do you do it all through the year, but just vary it? 
all through the year and vary it really i mean this this summer that we've just had was an absolute nightmare because it was so hot um there was barely anything that we could do with our dogs to keep their their fitness up really but funnily enough that you know going in the the tank we were just walking them all the dogs just got walked um and and it just keeps a base level of fitness on them if you can do it once a week i mean obviously financial restrictions are a thing you have to you have to consider uh finances with all of this um but if you're you're lucky enough to to be able to to get them in once a week if you can get you know a session in once a week it will be more beneficial um than than your normal sort of dog walk because it's focused um and and we can like i say we we've got an incline on the treadmill as well so we can do stuff with that um and we do tend to like then start ramping it up a little bit so i've been obviously working with um my co-director is, is vicky pullen who's actually currently out as we speak in um germany at the ifss european championships not jealous um, at all <laughs> <laughs> and and we've got we've got another um We've got another client who who is out there at the moment as well, Canny Crosser, Chris Reed, who is is um out there and he brings his dog uh to us as well for for conditioning. And he said it it's really made a difference in terms of how they cope with the warmer weather as well, because they're working in um warm water they they start to build up a better better resistance to that sort almost like that heat training but it's not heat training because it's safe um but uh he he's definitely noticed a difference because he's got a big dog who you know big dogs generate a lot of energy generate a lot of heat through their muscles um and and tend to be the ones that can overheat more um, i know you've had conversations with Anne and emily about the the heat related illness yeah. and it's one of the things that uh we're really interested in and, and and really careful of obviously because of having the sports dogs as well but it can it can help with um building up that resistance to working in in warmer temperatures too so uh, we tend to do stuff all year round and just vary it when we get the cooler temperatures so that we can really um focus on on getting that that fitness nailed so we we're sort of talking a lot about competitive dogs, I suppose, and people yeah. that are racing. But if people are just doing social runs, it's still something that they should be doing, is it? Or, you know, thinking about the fitness of their dogs. I mean, we love our dogs, so yeah definitely um you know i mean i i am not so competitive as i used to be um anymore in the county cross um i don't have time to be honest to be competitive um but it is something that um now i know a lot more about it so um we we definitely need to be warming up our dogs and cooling uh down our dogs whenever we're taking them out anyway and that that is the, probably the most important thing that you can do to to injury proof dogs but this is a really good way to help uh support any dog and and it helps with with weight loss it helps with um any sort of changes that are going on in the joint so if you've got a dog that's starting to show signs of arthritis um being in the the treadmill can help with that as well um so it it's not just for the the competitive dog and it's not just for the dog that's that's had a, a surgery it can be for just um i say just but you know they're not just pet dogs but yeah. people who who want to keep their their dogs active for as long as possible and want to to give them the the best opportunity to have that longevity and activity because 
every single person that I speak to, um, you know, that their, their aim, their ultimate aim is to just keep their dog going for as long as possible so that they can enjoy that active lifestyle as long as possible, because that's what we all want, isn't it? We want our dogs to be around forever. <laughs> so if we can keep them going longer, then, then, then we will. And, and like I say, that, that was how I, I got into it in the first place because of my, my older dog, Judo, who, who had the spondylosis. And I really think that having the hydrotherapy available to him meant that he was much more comfortable for for longer and I unfortunately I see sort of people posting in groups and saying oh my dog's been diagnosed with arthritis so I have to stop running well you don't it's yeah it's one of those things where yes you have to carefully manage it with your vet in conjunction with any pain relief or anything but but you definitely don't want to just stop all activity and that was actually how I discovered that one of my dogs had arthritis was because I got injured I had to stop and she started getting stiff and so I took her in for x-rays and we found she was only five and a half and she had arthritic carpal joints so Mm -hmm. um, I said oh what does that mean in terms of her future and the vet was like keep her going because the worst thing you can do is actually to let something like arthritis stop and and the more I've learned about it like I've done a, a canine arthritis management level one advocate course and that was fantastic like there's a whole load of information about arthritis and and um, how you can help manage arthritis in in active dogs in there and and I just feel that the hydrotherapy has played a massive part in in keeping you know my older dogs going for longer as well. Which you know I'm not sort of whipping them out every time we go canny crossing. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about them being comfortable and enjoying what they do for longer. Because they will go, you know, they'll go if they're free running or whatever, or you just take them out for a walk. They run and they do all their things. They might suffer later, but yeah. you know, if they stop. But actually, and it's the same. <laughs> I'm going again. It's the same on humans. <laughs> you need to keep moving. <laughs> yeah, no, we know that gentle movement, though. Now, don't we? We know that it does reduce inflammation. That's how you know inflammation is natural. Obviously, arthritis is extreme, but we, yeah. we know that gentle movement can help. So, I guess. It, doing that in a managed way through hydrotherapy can be really good for them yeah it it can be and um and and you know also from the the other end of the scale um i've i've now had two puppies that i have um basically strengthened up from from quite early on just through doing you know little and often in the treadmill uh, to make sure that you know they've got the best start as well um and and I'm obviously working with my my newest dog now and I mean he he had no muscle tone at all and he's a lurcher and he runs around like an absolute lunatic and it it makes me cringe um but I'm like no just keep just keep strengthening everything up and you'll be okay (laughs) So, so is there a limit or an age where you can start doing that or you know is it because obviously canny cross we can't do until they're one 18 months depending on you know what, what whatever but obviously a puppy's growing and developing yeah what's um, the 
to be honest with you it's it's something that we do we do work with with young dogs probably not before six months um old but but really from about six months old we pop them in there and get them used to it and get them moving in the water we don't do lots you know it's we're not pushing them we're not trying to sort of do that whole sort of strength and conditioning that programs that we do with the older dogs but it's just about giving them another way to to move um and and giving them something else to think about because uh, we don't want them to to be doing too much too young. Do you know, but I find that fascinating because I know a lot of people, and I've got people in my sort of canny cross groups that started out with a rescue dog, a pet dog, just got into it because I can't let them off. You know, the sort of the normal story, and now they're really getting to canny cross, and they're looking for that second dog. And I'm just thinking, this is you know, and they're they're getting more competitive, and I'm just thinking that's brilliant that we can you know future-proof our, our pups to a certain extent by getting them stronger yeah, um yeah so that's uh, i hadn't thought about that before so that's really good so by the yeah. time they get into harness and they start pulling you they've got a better chance of not injuring themselves yeah absolutely um and there's i mean there there is other sort of land-based things that you can do with dogs i'm sure you've got exercises from your your physio um but but i just it's something different it gives them something else to think about um and while they're that young and and processing everything it's it's just another really good thing to to do with them if you can <laughs> i appreciate yeah. not everybody uh you know has has the resources to be able to do it but it's it's um, it's definitely something that I feel very lucky to be involved in and be able to to get my dogs in there. And uh, it is fascinating, absolutely fascinating. Do you find um, that people come in for one? Sorry, Michelle, come in for one thing, and then you see something else because you notice things, and then and that sort of they have to go and get that sorted or. Yeah, we definitely spend a lot of time sort of telling people that, um, you know, they might want to go back and, and have a look at things. And, and we we cover ourselves in that respect because we're not qualified to diagnose anything. Um, what we do, um, again, we're very lucky. We've got quite a, a good system that we've got um, a camera that records from the side and it goes up onto a big TV screen on the wall. So we can actually point out to our clients um, and say, look, this is what we're seeing. If you turn around, you can you can actually see it. Can you see, you know, either one limb is sort of stepping shorter or stepping in? Um, sometimes it's literally just that dog's gait and they're all different. Um, this is why I say we have to concentrate so hard on the individual dog in front of us. Like no, no two dogs are on exactly the same program because it just wouldn't work. Um, and um, we sort of say, yeah, is that normal? Have you noticed that when you're out and, and they're running around? Is there anything that you can think of that might sort of cause that? Most people haven't noticed it. We we tend to see things in the treadmill that you wouldn't see on land because the movement slowed down, because it's yeah. very obvious when you've got, you know, measurable steps um, on the treadmill to, to notice these things. Um, and there's definitely stuff that I notice about my dogs in the treadmill that I I don't see while they're just running around, um, you know, in the off lead field or whatever. So it can be very useful for for picking up things early on as well. Um, but then obviously we have to refer it back to to people's vets so they can actually go and get a diagnosis um, and make sure there's nothing else going on. It's fascinating, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I just think don't... especially with regard to the strength training, I think that's. I, I don't know about you, Louise, but I often get asked, well, you probably get asked the same question, Emily, um, 
about when people can start canny crossing the dogs. They're really keen to get going, aren't they, when they've got a young dog? Yeah. And I think it's kind of highlighted for me that it's more important to say, right, let's work on strengthening the dog before we start running them in harness. And this is one of those things we can perhaps suggest now to, to yeah. look at with the vet, isn't it? Is that absolutely? I mean, yeah. I want to be able to to run my dogs in harness until they're well into double figures, if I can. Um, and and I tell people, you know, don't don't rush all of that. You can do all your voice cue training. Yeah. Um, you know, you can absolutely nail that before you put them in harness. Get them used to wearing a harness. But actually, if if you've done all of that base work in the beginning, then when you put them in a harness, you've got all your voice cues trained. Mm-hmm. And it's actually relatively easy to then just move into canny cross training. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and people, I don't know, there, there's sort of a misnomer, I think, with canny cross that you just strap a dog to you and get dragged around the countryside and there's nothing <laughs> else to it. Um, but there's a lot more to it. And and so, you know, that's what I try and talk to people about. There's a, there's a lot of training that goes into yeah. this. There's a lot of there's a lot of uh, foundation work that you you ideally would need to do. But, um, you know, again, I hold my hand up. I, I started out 13 years ago. There wasn't this information and I didn't know all of this stuff. So uh, I've had to learn it as I've gone. And I think I think that's the crucial thing. I mean, we get people that's kind of just heard about Canicross, so they haven't done the work. And I and I often say, like you do, like do a lot of this stuff that I'm teaching you now. Do it at walk, because then you'll get better better results and and things like that. And it it is interesting. But I think as people then get into the sport, you know, if they get their other dog, the, that dog will be a completely different. You know, have a completely different experience. So um. oh, absolutely. That's that's the one thing. I, I mean that. I, I was so worried that um, that spondylosis in my collie was was something that I'd done. And, yeah. you know, I kept, I kept saying to the vet, like, could I have done something differently? And and he was like, no, like these things happen. You, you know, dogs, dogs get conditions and, and it's genetic or whatever. He was like, you've, you've not done anything to bring this on. Um, but you do always have that that sense of of guilt, I think, with things like that. And um, that's why now I'm like, I do absolutely everything to make sure that my dogs have got like just from start to finish. They've got everything that they need. Whereas I it is really interesting because you don't get that many injuries through canny crossing, do you? So in the dogs or yeah. in yeah in in dogs you do, you don't really there's because it's it's quite a safe and controlled um safe and controlled yeah. and you know we even get people um whose dogs have got like elbow dysplasia or hip dysplasia and they say mm, i'm not really going to be able to do this now am i and i'm like if you strengthen everything up it's actually really good for them mm-hmm. you know don't don't give up just yet we have to do this in conjunction with the vet and make sure your dog's not in pain but actually canny crossing is a really safe and controlled way to build muscle so um it's it's not the end of the road and and people then when they hear that are are much more motivated to find out about you know other things like hydrotherapy to help and you know whereas sometimes i think you know if they didn't have that that encouragement they'd just think oh i can't do anything with my dog and 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 give up which is a shame so that's why i'm really passionate about encouraging people to to have a look and see what you can do because it's it's better lifestyle for you and your dog if you can keep active absolutely are there many hydrotherapies places around the country? I mean, you're Gloucestershire, aren't you? 
Uh, yeah, we're based just outside of Tewkesbury. Um, and I think it's definitely becoming more popular. People are, are becoming more um, aware of it. Funnily enough, it's it's always been a thing in horses. So, mm-hmm. so in the equine industry, people know quite a lot about hydrotherapy for horses, but it's relatively new. Like all this stuff is filtering through all the studies, all the research is, is coming from equine and human studies. And, and there's still not enough on dogs. So um, I think in the years to come, we will see a lot more information coming through about all of this. And I'm quite excited. You know, if somebody says, oh, I want to do this or I want to do that, I'm like, yes come on let's get involved let's um <laughs> let's take part let's help uh, let's help people get these studies underway as well you have to talk to emily and Anne. <laughs> <laughs> i do i i help them with their um they've done a harness oh, study um yeah we were actually involved in that so i can't wait till they publish the results <laughs> Oh, that'll be good. That'll be good. Well, I don't know if you've got anything else to add, Michelle. No, I was just going to say I was nodding along there when you were talking about elbow dysplasia because Poppy was diagnosed with elbow dysplasia at 18 months old. She was a rescue. The vet suspected it was probably just her poor genetics, um, poor nutrition. She was found kind of on the streets in Romania. But she canny crosses. She's she's had no issues since she's had the operation. I just wish we'd known about hydrotherapy. Like we weren't recommended anything like that. No. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it's it's a lot of the cases that that people don't don't get that that follow up. Um, And, you know, I'm not I'm not vet bashing because I I love vets and they you know, they absolutely um, are are top of my list of of professionals that I would go to. But I just think that they're pretty pushed for time and it's it's not within their remit to start recommending all these extra things when when they've got a dog with them, which is a shame because I think dogs would really really benefit from more of this if if owners knew about it yeah well maybe we can kind of put the onus on owners to kind of ask for it now we'll get this information out there yeah well that's why we do these podcasts yeah exactly brilliant well i think we'll we'll stop it there because there's been loads of information there and emily thank you so much for joining us really really appreciate it my pleasure we hope you've enjoyed this session episode of canny cross conversations don't forget to subscribe share and share it with your friends as well if you've got time leave us with a review and we will see you on the next episode of canny cross conversations